So how far back do you have to analyze prior listings of the subject property? Hey, while we're at it, how far back do you got to analyze prior sales of the subject property? And finally, how far back do you've got to analyze prior sales of the comparables? 12 months. Are you sure? This is Brian Reynolds, your host. You're listening to the Appraisal Update Podcast. So when we ask these questions, and quite frankly, when we ask any appraisal-related question, the best answer that you can give as an appraiser is it depends, right? And it really, I'm not trying to be smart, it really does depend. So let's break this down for a second and talk about USPAP. After all, that is your minimum standard. Um, It's the minimum requirement for you when you're behaving in the capacity of an appraiser doing an appraisal. And we can get in why you have to comply with USPAP. Just remember CARL, C-A-R-L, Choice, Agreement, Regulation, or Law. That's the driving force of USPAP. That's why we as appraisers have to adhere to that document. It in and of itself has no legal authority. But CARL, Choice, Agreement, Regulation, or Law, gives it its authority. So let's talk about those minimum standards for just a moment with with regard to USPAP. And in particular, if you'd like to follow along, grab out your edition of USPAP. I know it's on the corner of your desk right there if you're ready in action to grab it. Um, If it's not on the corner of your desk, have it somewhere. I mean, you know, don't let it collect oil underneath that car in the garage. It hasn't moved in a couple of years. Don't use it for target practice. And finally, don't use it for a doorstop, right? It is a document that you as an appraiser probably need to open it up, crack the book, at least uh, at least make it look like you've opened the book, spill some coffee on it or something. What if your state regulator stops by your office this afternoon and says, hey, where's your USPAP book? I want to show you something. You're like, um, I, I don't know. I, the, the dog ran off with it, right? So seriously, guys, it is a document that you need to refer to. You need to at least open the book and take a peek at it. It's it's what you're held accountable to for crying out loud. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, analyzing these prior sales, uh, analyzing the current agreement for sale if it's if it's under agreement. We're gonna talk just real quickly about some of this stuff because, quite frankly. We see appraisers making mistakes, in particular of analyzing the prior sales of the subject uh, and the and the comps. And so I thought we would just spend a few minutes together today uh, talking about that and make sure that you're not one of the appraisers that are deficient in that area. Um, because if you are, there's there's not a lot of defense you're going to have when the board comes knocking. Uh, you either have something in your report or you don't. So let's talk about that. And for those of you that just fill out a pre-printed form and, and think that you're safe, wake up for crying out loud. Forms don't comply with USPAP. 
I've been preaching that for years. Forms do not comply with USPAP. Appraisers comply with USPAP. Or, or they don't, but they're supposed to. So, uh, again, this podcast is being based on the 2020-2021 edition of Uniform Standards. So if you have your copy handy, uh, grab it. You can follow along. If you don't have your copy, jump over to appraisalfoundation.org. You can download a digital copy. I like that a lot because it's searchable. They've really made it easy to find stuff in this document. So uh, grab your online edition, uh, get you a hard copy. It is a book that you really need to have a copy of. So I'm going to read a little bit, um, and I might not read verbatim. So you might look this up if you don't have your edition handy, if you're driving uh, in the car listening or whatever you're doing. I'm referencing Standards Rule 1-5. And it's located on page 19 of the new USPAP coming out, 2020-2021. In particular, it starts with line item 555. And it's talking about sales agreements, options, listings, and prior sales. And it says on line item 556, when the value opinion to be developed is market value, an appraiser must, that's a significant word, by the way, An appraiser must, if such information is available to the appraiser in the normal course of business, item A, analyze all agreements of sales, options, and listings of the subject property current as of the effective date of the appraisal. So all of you that answered at the beginning of this podcast, do I have to, how far back do I got to analyze prior listings of the subject? All you guys that said, hey, pick me, pick me, it's 12 months. Well, that's not correct in accordance to use back. I mean, USPAP says, analyze agreements of sales, options, listing of the subject property current as of the effective date. So if it's not currently listed per USPAP, you don't have to analyze it. Now, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, some of these other things may want you to do that. But just keep that in mind. That's not a USPAP requirement. That would be something else. Um. The UAD has kind of helped us out as appraisers. Now, I'm I'm reading 1-5, which is the development requirements of USPAP, right? But I believe on on the first page of the URAR now, uh, if the subject property is under contract, somewhere on there it's asking you if it's an arm's-length transaction, right? Um, Let's move on to item B on on line item 560, analyze all sales of the subject property that occurred within three years prior to the effective date of the appraisal. So all of you that said, yeah, you got to analyze prior sales of the subject going back three years, that's correct. That is a USPAP requirement. Now, this, again, is the development requirement. It's, it's what's forcing you to analyze those prior sales. We'll talk about the reporting in just a moment, and that's where a lot of appraisers are making those deficiencies. Okay, so I want to talk about that. And USPAP's given you some some guidance, and we'll get to that in just a minute too. But let's go back to the listing, all right? Item A under 1-5 says analyze all agreements, agreements of sales, options, and listings of the subject. Well, those of you that are doing residential work and you're using pre-printed forms, 
That's not what the pre-printed form says that you fill out every day. And I just want you to be very careful. The pre-printed report says, um, is the subject property currently offered for sale or has it been offered for sale in the last or in the 12 months prior to the effective date of this appraisal? Yes or no? Now, let me ask you something. How do you know whether or not it's been offered in the last 12 months? Well, I'll check on the MLS. Okay. Well, that means it wasn't offered through a brokerage firm. How do you know whether or not it was offered through a for sale by owner? Well, we can look on the internet. I mean, my God, these days, everything's on the internet, right? And, and the majority of the time, if a property is listed for sale by a property owner, it's going to show up somewhere on the internet. Odds are really good it will. But again, that's not what the question asks. The question has, has it been offered for sale? We're at a barbecue this weekend, and you come up to me, and you say, Brian, I love your house. I said, well, thank you very much. And you say, hey, no, 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 I'm really serious. I really love your house. I said, well, I do too, thanks. Hey, Brian, if you ever think about selling that house, call me because I'm going to buy it. Well, that's that's very nice of you, but I, my house is not for sale. I know, I know. But I'm just telling you, I really, really, really like your house. I'd love to own it. In fact, I'd make you a heck of a deal, Brian. I would offer you more than what it's actually worth. I said, come again? You said, I'm serious. I, I would pay more than the market value for that thing. That's how bad I want it. I said, huh. Well, my house isn't for sale, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you that opportunity for the next 10 minutes I'm going to offer you my home. Make me a deal I can't refuse. Yep, time's up. Fast forward two months and you're appraising my property. Has my home been listed on the open market for sale? Absolutely not. Has my home been offered for sale during the last 12 months? Yeah, actually it was. That barbecue two months ago, I offered it to my buddy John for 10 minutes. He just couldn't couldn't make me that deal. Guys, most of the examples I give, most of the stories I give are from real life experiences. I like real world stuff, right? I think it, it makes better stories. It makes better examples. That story I just told really happened. It was my father's home. And Bill Wood said, Jack, you ever think about selling your house? Call me because I'm going to buy it. Oh, we're not going to sell it. Well, I'm just telling you, if you ever think about selling, my dad one time called Bill and he said, hey, Bill, you told me a couple of years ago uh, that you like my house. And if I ever even thought about selling it, Bill said, I'll buy it. <laughs> dad, dad said, Bill, wait a minute, I haven't even told you what I want for it. It doesn't matter, I'll buy it. So, you know, those things happen. And, and although it's not a rarity, my position is it's probably impossible for you to determine whether or not the subject property has been offered for sale, and that's not USPEP language, that's Fannie Mae language, but the question is asking you as the appraiser, has it been offered for sale? And my position is it's, it's highly unlikely you're going to be able to confirm that 100% certainty unless you interview the owner. Has your property been offered during the last 12 months? That's what Fannie Mae is asking. Let's move over to the prior sales. 
and this is important now, I said analyze all sales of the subject property that occurred within three years of the effective date. What's it say about the comps? How far back do you got to analyze prior sales of the comps? What's it say in USPAP? Those of you following along and you're on 1-5A and then 1-5B, is there a 1-5C that talks about comps? No, there's not. And the reason why there's not is because there's not a requirement to analyze prior sales of the comps per USPAP. There is no requirement to analyze prior sales of the comps according to uniform standards. Now, Fannie Mae may require that. FHA may require you to look at that, right? But it's not a USPAP requirement. And this is where things get a little tricky. This, where, this, this area is where appraisers are making mistakes. And if I can help you, if I can help five appraisers listening to not make this mistake, I'm going to feel good about that. Because this is a potential area where you can be disciplined, where you can um, get into some hot water with your regulatory board. And I challenged an attorney with a regulatory board one time, and um, we were talking about if an appraiser didn't state what the results of the analysis was in the report. He said, I'm going to get them with a reporting requirement. I'm going to get them with a 1-5-B requirement. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. How do you know what the appraiser did or didn't do? And the attorney said, well, it's not in their report. They didn't put the results of the analysis within the report. And that's the, that's the common problem area that, that I'm going to talk about. And I said, well, Mr. Attorney, then maybe we will acknowledge that the appraiser in this instance has a report deficiency. How do you know what the appraiser did or did not do? He said, well, we look in the work file. We'll look in the work file. And if he doesn't have information in his work file of analyzing that prior sale, then we're going to get him for that. And I said, okay, wait, wait just a minute, Mr. Attorney. If you don't find anything in the work file, maybe we'll acknowledge that we have a work file deficiency. How do you know what the appraiser did or didn't do? How do you know that the appraiser did not adhere to standard rule 1-5 in analyzing the prior sale of the subject? Right? He said, well, we asked him. I said, okay. You you ask them and they admit to you they didn't do it. And and guys, be honest. I mean, if you didn't do it, raise your hand and say, I didn't do it. I'll do better next time. But I think there's a lot of folks out there that that are doing it. They're just making a mistake when it comes to the reporting requirement. And And if that's you, don't accept discipline for something you didn't do. I mean, that's horrible. I don't want a whipping for something I didn't do, right? If I did it, I, I need to get my whooping, I guess, right? But if I didn't do it, let's not let's not raise our hand and accept disciplinary actions if I'm not guilty, okay? So this is what I want appraisers to do is to, to go back and grab one or two of your reports and take a look at them. You know, here's what we find very common. 
the prior sale of the subject property last year of a, sold for $150,000 on such and such date, period. That's not good enough. I mean, when you say the subject property sold last year for $150,000, period, you're just giving us a factual statement, a statement of fact. You're just restating what you put in those little boxes on the 1004 form. And, and what you're being asked to do in the development is to analyze the prior sale, and then you need to report what the results of that analysis is. The subject property sold last year for $150,000. I analyzed that sale and found out that it was between related parties and therefore was not indicative of an arm's length transaction. Right? Whatever the case may be. If you start your sentence by saying an analysis of the prior sale revealed whatever it revealed, you're probably going to be okay. In advisory opinion one of USPAP, they offer you up some advice. I'm reading from page 67 of USPAP, and it's advisory, uh, advisory opinion one, and this one is example or illustration number four. It says, for a property that is not a sale, but was acquired uh, by the owner within the last three years, here's some examples of some language you might use. I mean, they're giving you examples. Example A, the subject property, the subject property previously sold for $400,000 on insert sale date. Now, guys, <laughs> don't type that and write insert sale date. There's somebody, <laughs> there's somebody out there that's going to do that. <laughs> so don't just copy and paste without reading it. The subject property previously sold for $400,000 on insert sale date. Change that and say the subject property previously sold for $400,000 on June 15th of 2019, right? Based on a discussion with the owner and a review of the MLS and public records, the prior sale appears to have been an arm's length transaction and was not impacted by any concessions. Example number two, or item B, the subject property previously sold for $100,000 on whatever date it sold on, prior to construction of the now existing improvements. Based on discussions with the owner and a review of MLS and public records, the prior, sales, uh, the prior sale appears to have been an arm's length transaction. Item C says a bunch of stuff, but the very last sentence says the prior sale is not considered to be a market value transaction what is the results of your analysis and this is the area where appraisers are making some mistakes so go ahead and analyze a prior sale of the subject if you're doing it for Fannie Mae and you've got to analyze a prior sale of the comp do that too not a use pep requirement but it may might be a, a requirement of your client or a secondary market guidelines right but the critical thing that we want you to do is make sure that you're reporting the results of that analysis you know people used to do that for the subject for the for the subject property if it was under contract the subject property is currently under contract for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars it was listed on blank date 
Uh, it was reduced on this date. It was reduced on this date and finally went under contract on this particular date. The seller is not paying any prepaids or closing costs, period. That's all wonderful information, but it doesn't answer the question. The question is, what you're supposed to be doing in accordance to Standard Rule 15A is analyzing that sales agreement and reporting what the results of that sales agreement is. For another podcast, we'll talk about don't use the sales price as a crutch. You know, there's there's part of me, or probably most of me, that wish, wishes you as the practicing appraiser didn't get a copy of the sales agreement. And I know there's a whole host of reasons why you need to analyze it and report the results of the analysis, but there's one really, really, really big reason you don't need it. Don't let it bias you. Don't don't let that number steer you in a direction. That's that's a different podcast. We'll talk about that another time. But for purposes of this podcast, remember that you are to analyze the sales agreement and report on the results of that analysis. You're supposed to analyze prior sales of the subject property and then not give statement of facts in the report. Subject property sold last year for 100000 Isn't that wonderful? That does nothing. <laughs> You've already told them that in the little box. What we want to know, what the client wants to know is, what is the results of your analysis of that prior sale of $100,000 last year? Be sure you answer the questions that are being asked of you. The Appraisal Update Podcast is brought to you by Appraiser E-Learning.